Welcome back to another edition of Full Tank with Phil, the first ever NASCAR gambling podcast, and just happy to be here for another week. We're going to take a look back at that Kansas race and talk about what happened in the race, how we did giving out some bets. We're going to talk about how we're kind of hot and cold right now at the same time. It's a weird spot to be in. And then we're going to look forward because there was a cutoff. We've got playoff drivers eliminated, and we've got the round of eight coming up this week, starting at probably one of my favorite tracks, Martinsville, is going to kick off the round of eight. So we are going to take a look at who we want for winners this week, who we like for top 10 picks, and once again, some head-to-head picks. And we might even get a visit, quick visit, from Cousin Greg chiming in with uh, his pick of the week. So a lot to get to. And then, of course, we have to end it with a bit of a rant. And this week, um, I'm trying to fight the good fight against the sports books. I got a little into it with uh, a couple different books about some parlays and just how they are accepting bets in general. And just wanted to kind of report that to you guys for, for anyone listening to, you know, try to let you know what the situation is out there with the sports books and what they're accepting. So that'll be that, but we will start by recapping Kansas. So overall, if they didn't have that ending, it would have been just another boring race. It would have been just like Dover, but they had quite an ending. A lot of cautions at the end of the race really made that more dramatic than I think it actually was. So Denny Hamlin, obviously, is your race winner. He was going to get into the round of eight anyway. He's been dominant. We'll talk about him in a bit. But the big story was, you know, who was going to make it in at the cutoff. And and going into that race, Logano was actually the one lower in points of the guys who were safe. Chase was the guy trying to, no pun intended, chase everybody down. And it ended up being Brad Keselowski versus Elliott at the end which is what the announcers, is what NBC, they were focusing on that more than anything. And then Chase eventually got up towards the top. Thanks to some of those restarts, he was able to work his way up and almost contended for the win, which would have been a hell of a way to end that round uh, to really just punch your ticket into the next round. But uh, and, and it certainly looked like Chase had a chance to do that, but more cautions kept coming out. He, he had a run... After one of the pit stops, he had a four-tire stop. Other guys took two, and he was climbing to the front. I think a lot of people thought Bush was actually going to kind of take the lead from Hamlin, but Elliott actually took it away from him in second place, at least, and started chasing down Hamlin. Hamlin was a sitting duck on two tires, and uh, lucky that cautions came out because the restarts Hamlin was all over it it was strategic and it was well played by that 11 team to to get it done uh they obviously win the race but the the real story was the Penske group because it was very strange the announcers were doing a very good job trying to explain to the crowd and the audience who to watch for and and what to look for they always had the points uh the playoff points on the board for you to see because Elliott was at one point competing with Kozlowski to get that final spot. And then after one of the, the crashes at the end that forced overtime, Logano was involved in one of them, which was really strange. So that put him sort of on the bubble. And then if Chase had ended up winning, it would have been Logano versus Kozlowski. So it was just very hard to keep track. And I think all of that kind of masked 
a shitty race, if I'm being honest. Um, up until then, it had been very boring. And if you just look at it, I mean, Hamlin was dominant in that third stage and no one could really touch him. So if it wasn't for the playoff system and the, the late race cautions, I think it would have been a pretty dull race. According to the uh, Jeff Gluck, was it a good race poll? It's a famous poll that's out there. He does it after every single race, trying to just gauge the race fan, you know, temperature of uh, the fan base. Was it a good race? Simple yes or no question. And it got a, a 72% said yes. I'd be anxious to see how that poll would have turned out if we didn't get all those cautions at the end. But hey, I mean, that's that's the sport. That's what, you know, a lot of people are looking for. I was happy with it. I was on the edge of my seat. You know what I mean? So it worked. The drama factor is there. Um, so overall, the round itself, very uh, up and down. Dover was one of the, actually the worst races, according to the poll, Jeff Gluck's poll. It was only 33% said it was a good race. Talladega was up in the 80% uh, area. And then obviously, like we just said, Kansas was 72%. So up and down, up and down, but uh, we'll take it. Now, how did we do giving out picks? Betting on this race, we talked about how I, going into it, thought it was you know, typically a boring racetrack and gambling makes it more fun. Well, it certainly made it more fun for me. So if you took my picks, you did not hit on the winner. Uh, I did not choose Denny Hamlin. I'm kind of pissed at myself because I'm usually all over Hamlin when he's going to be doing well. I've been good at predicting that, but not this not this week. He was going off at plus 1400 at the start of the week, which would have been great value if you were able to get him there. Uh, none of the guys that I selected. Now, I did have Chase. I gave out Chase, and he was hunting down um, Hamlin at the end. I was cheering for him to, to come in and clinch it for me, but that didn't happen. I was also kind of surprised that uh, Kurt Busch, I gave him up as a uh, winner. He was over 2,000, plus 2,000. Um, might have even been 2,500. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he was going off at decent value at the start of the race and he finished fourth. So, um, some guys that we picked were up there. There were some guys that we picked that did not perform Brad Kozlowski being one of them. I was actually pretty surprised at how poorly that two car was, especially in that third stage. They really let me down as a gambler and as just a typical race fan, but we did well in other other aspects. So we didn't pick the winner. You know, we've been hot on picking the winner all season long since about mid-July. I've been on fire. But this is the second race in a row where we didn't give out a winner. And I'm not thrilled about that. But what I am thrilled about is the head-to-head -head matchups and the top 10. So I, I said, put it on the board, Eric Jones, mark it down, put him in your top 10 picks. He finished seventh, so I was really happy with that. But I was on fire with the head-to-head -head picks last week. I went five for six, which was very good for me. Um, so that pretty much saved the weekend for me. Just to recap, I had Truex over Harvick, Elliott over Kyle Busch. That was a close one, two, three. Uh, I also had my lock of the century, lock of the week, Kurt Busch over William Byron. That Byron bastard almost got me again. He actually performed really well at a track where historically he does not. And uh, Kurt finished fourth. William Byron finished fifth. Still cashed it in, though. Loved it. Uh, screw you, William Byron. And uh, had Almarola over Daniel Suarez. That cashed in. Busher over Stenhouse. That cashed in. So I was just hitting left and right. And uh, the one I missed on was my boy, Brad Kozlowski, over Kyle Larson. That one didn't pay out. And uh, it, you know, I did put all these picks in individually, but I also grouped them up into a parlay, and that would have been a heck of a parlay. Uh, so thank you, Brad. That really cost me on the parlay. Dang! But what are you going to do? You got to take the good with the bad, and, and I will certainly do that, and I will cash those and, and run to the next race, run to the next round. Overall, even though we didn't get the winner, Gave out some good picks and uh, ended up having a little bit of fun. So I, I did have fun with the Kansas race overall. Uh, now we got to look forward, though, because Martinsville is a much more entertaining racetrack uh, if you're a fan of short track racing, which I am. And it's going to make for a good just 
NASCAR race, a playoff race, but it's also going to be interesting for the gambling perspective as well. This week, to me, we're going to have to take a look at the strategy overall. And for me, this week screams no favorites, no favorites, no favorites, no favorites. All right. Because the the lines opened up this week with two guys who are head and shoulders uh, heavily favored above the rest of the field. And those two guys are Kyle Busch and Denny Hamlin. So the, the books are in love with Kyle Busch. We know this from experience. And then we also know that the books have recency bias. And uh, Denny Hamlin obviously winning the race last week, coming into a track where he's very good. Um, obviously, they're going to throw him up to the front. It makes total sense. So that is something that we're going to have to take a look at because Bush opened up at plus 350. That's a that's a line that I don't like at all, and I, it's just too much for me to touch that one. So Bush, I'm avoiding, and then Hamlin was right behind him at plus 400. So no favorites this week. We're going to avoid those guys. I'll talk about how good they actually are in the head-to-head section because I am going to you know get in my beak wet a little bit with those guys later on probably, but you know, it's going to be tough to avoid people that are that good at this racetrack, but I'm going to have to. I'm, I'm looking for value picks. I heard a, a phrase from uh, a, another podcast that I listened to, and they laid it out pretty well. I'm not betting a team. I'm not betting a driver. I'm betting the number, all right? I'm betting the value that I'm getting on guys, and this week definitely hits that on the head, as uh, you will find out here in just a second when we we go through these picks. But first, I always like to talk about the racetrack in general. Martinsville is a racetrack that they've been going to for a million years, it feels like. 141 races in the past. So huge sample size. If you want to get analytical on it, you definitely can because there's a lot of stats you can play with. Uh, So 141 races, 21 times somebody has won from the pole, but not since 2013 with Jimmy Johnson has someone been able to do that. Uh, The winner has come from the top five 73 times. That's 53% of the time. They've come from the top 10 102 times, which is 74% of the time. And only have the winner come from... 20th or worse, 5% of the time. So seven times in the history of this racetrack has that happened. So clearly, again, it feels like every week we're talking about this, but Martinsville at a short track, it makes total sense that you're going to want to avoid betting on someone to win the race if they've qualified outside the top 20. Now, if you're like me and you're putting your bets in early in the week, you're you're just hoping that your guys qualify well because I like getting my bets in before the lines change after qualifying in case I have an opportunity or in case they change for the worse, which a lot of times it seems like they do. The, the guys that I'm betting on, the, the value goes down for me, so I like to get it ahead of time. So, Repeat winners is something that I want to talk about here for a quick second because I found it interesting looking at past races here. We've only had somebody win more than once since fall of 2016. Only one person has done that. So Brad Kozlowski, he won in fall of 2016 and he won this race in the fall. But every other race in between then has been somebody different. So that tells me that I'm going to want to bet on you know somebody who hasn't won recently, try to keep that trend alive. And only two times since fall of 2013 has somebody done that. So Kyle Busch and Brad Kozlowski are those two people who have repeated uh, as a winner here at Martinsville. But that's kind of surprising to me because it seems like a racetrack that you know if you're good here, you're going to dominate. But history should have it that that's not the case. So I'm going to like it if I'm looking at somebody who hasn't won here in the last five years or so to try to keep that trend alive. Um, I found that pretty interesting, and I'm going to use that to my advantage coming up. So let's get to some of these picks. All right, I already said I don't like the two guys at the top of the odds list. I'm going to jump right into it. There's no rhyme or reason to this order here that I'm picking. Uh, I'm going right at the nine team and Chase Elliott. So I know I've been on them a lot recently. I just think it makes a lot of sense. So they're going off at plus 800. And looking at it from, you know, their history, they 
in the last 10 races, they've only been here seven times. They don't have a win at this racetrack. We just talked about how that's actually a good thing. And two top fives, four top tens. I consider this a value pick. So they're 10th overall in terms of average finish in the last 10 races out of all active drivers. His average finish there is 14.8. But here's something that, you know, obviously 14.8, that's not going to, that's not going to make it move. But what does is recently, because he's got three top tens in a row here at Martinsville and four top tens in his last five races. So he's figuring it out. And I think, so looking at it, you know, from that perspective, he's, he's got stats here. He's only been here seven times and he he's, has the ability to run up front, finish in the top 10. Lately, he's figuring it out. He was second in the spring race. And that, again, is another thing that leads to chases starting to get better. The win just seems like it's close. If you remember, there's another thing that I want to bring up here. A couple years ago, we had that incident where he was leading this race and Denny Hamlin spun him out. The fall race at Martinsville, Hamlin spun out Chase when he was leading the race at the end and the fans went ballistic on Hamlin coming down on him on Twitter because obviously Chase is the media darling and everyone wanted to see him win that race. Well, that just, you know, adds to the fire that at plus 800, Chase is a good value pick because he had the ability to win that race and he is in the spot where he's not going to let that happen again. And if he has the ability to do it, somebody else, there's no telling what he could do. I mean, he, he's, he's a man on a mission. Now, looking at how his last round went, I think that obviously he's going to be trying to come out hot because Dover was so bad, worst case scenario for the nine team, that they're going to be all in on Martinsville. The other thing is, all of his teammates are now officially eliminated from the playoffs. So Hendrick historically has been very good at Martinsville. And it's just one of those things. We talked about it with a, a couple other teams. They're going to put all resources they possibly can, all notes, all wind tunnel time, all resources are going to go to this nine team to try to get them into the championship four. That's all that camp needs to do. Every other guy, you know, I almost feel like Byron and, and Bowman have been kind of dragging Team Hendrick down because they can't focus on their guy who is the, the leader in that camp is Chase this year. So now that they're officially gone, he's going to get all the attention. You got to love that. I'm marking it down plus 800 for Chase Elliott this week at Martinsville. The next guy that I have on my list, I guess you could consider him a favorite, but He's not as high up on the list as the other two guys. And this is Martin Truex Jr. He's going off at plus 500. Not phenomenal value, but still better than plus 350 and 400 that the other guys are going off at. He has never won here at Martinsville, which I like. And in the last 10 races, he's got three top fives, seven top tens, and two poles. So third overall in the last 10 races, as far as average finish goes, his average finish is 10.8 in that time span. So good numbers. I need a Gibbs driver that I'm going to bet on because I'm obviously not taking the other two. So I need a Gibbs driver to bet on because that team is just so good that, you know, I, I would be very dumb not to take somebody to win the race. So Truex is my guy that week based on value. And he's always had trouble in his past with short tracks, but recently he's starting to figure it out. And at this track specifically, he doesn't have a win, but he's good now at short tracks. And three out of the last four years, he's finished in the top five. So recent history tells you that he's also starting to figure out this place. And last year in this race, he started 33rd. So we talked about how hard it is to come from the back at Martinsville. Well, he started 33rd and he finished third. So he clearly has the ability to get through the field at a track that really track position means a ton. So that's all good stuff for me. Mark it down at plus 500. It makes total sense to bet on the 19 car this week at Martinsville. I've got two other guys that I'm going to choose to, to win the race, throw money down this week to win the race. And one of those is Kevin Harvick and the four team plus 1,000. So 10 to one for the four team. 
Very good odds. I mean, when you think of Kevin Harvick, you think dominant, right? In, in any track. And uh, I like what I'm seeing in terms of that value there. So after that got my attention, I needed to look into a little bit further. And Harvick has won here before, but within the last 10 races, he, he hasn't won in the last 10. So again, recent history, I want a new winner here at this racetrack. He's got two top fives and six top tens in the last 10 races. He's sixth in average finish out of all active drivers with 13.2. And when, we haven't talked about driver rating yet with this racetrack. He's fifth best driver rating out of all active drivers. So clearly somebody that knows what he's doing at Martinsville. Um, four straight top tens, including two top fives here at Martinsville. So he's got, you know, since switching to Ford, by the way, he's been really good here. So I feel like that win, just like the other two guys, is is very close. Uh, it's, it's within his grasp. And it's not crazy to think that the four car could go out and lay down a win and lock himself into the championship four right here and now. The, the other thing about it is, the playoff aspect to this. So this is the first time all season that he's been below the cutoff. So throughout the regular season, obviously he's been safe. He's been safe, you know, for a long period of time now because he's been so good this year. But since the playoff started, he's always had that large cushion and never really felt the the fire from below. Well, now he's sitting currently fifth out of the eight drivers. So he's only two points behind the line, but still, this is the first time that it's actually been real for him. So I, what I know about Kevin Harvick is that he's a competitor. I've listened to him on the radio. I've, I've seen him for years now. So mark it down if you have a chance to get him at, at plus 1,000, because I think they are going to be super focused. That's a team that does not want to have to deal with pointing themselves in come Phoenix because everyone used to talk about how great he is at Phoenix and the pressure will be sky high if he is, you know, below the cut line by a lot that he's going to win that race. I think he could go out and lock it in now and get that over with and start focusing on Homestead. So plus 1000 market in for the four team. Then the last guy that I'm going to throw money on to win Ryan Blaney. I, I, I cannot quit him recently. Uh, he's going off at plus 1,400. That is really good value. Uh, so obviously, that's what I'm looking for. We talked about the strategy. Avoid the favorites. Go for the value picks. And Blaney this week is a value pick. He's only been here seven times, but he's got two top fives and three top tens. He's eighth best driver rating out of everyone, which kind of surprised me because when I originally looked at those stats that I just read out, top fives and tens and, and no wins, um, you'd think like, that's not great, but eight best driver rating is pretty good. Uh, he's got two top fives in his last three races. So that's again, telling me that recently he's getting better here. And he started out his career in the 21 car, clearly not as good of a ride than it would be in the 12 at Penske. So recently he's getting better in better equipment. It makes sense. That's what you want to see. These are all good things. Um, and he also has three top tens in his last four races. So again, same stuff. Um, in the spring race this year, he drove to fourth to a fourth place finish from the 17 spot. So kind of like what we were saying about Truex, he's somebody that, you know, can drive to the front and is not phased by, you know, maybe a poor starting position uh, at a racetrack where, again, track position means a lot. So he's a value pick. He's 21 points behind the cut line. He's in dead last out of the eight drivers. And they knew that going in that they were going to, you know, start way behind the rest of these guys. So it's a team that's going, it'll be interesting to see how they play it because they could choose to try to point themselves each race, just go out and score a good points race. But I think a team that that's, that is that far back is actually going to need to go out and, and shock people. So at a place like this where you're not that bad, I would try to go all in if I was uh, the crew chief of the 12 and the driver of the 12. I, I wouldn't put it past them to try to shock everybody and, and lock themselves in. Could you imagine that? If it was Ryan Blaney, the one locking into the championship, that would put a lot of pressure on a lot of other guys. So, um, yeah, to me, whatever, plus 1,400, 14-1, I'll take it. I have faith in in that team. And now that Brad's out, 
you know, it's kind of a shock that Blaney is in with Logano and not Kozlowski. I think a lot of people thought it would be switched up, but um, maybe uh, he'll be getting a lot of help there from uh, other resources, and we'll see how it goes. So lock me in there for the 12. We're going to get into the top 10 picks here, but before I do that, I know we just do the drop in with uh, the boogity boogity with the hot dogs. Um, Martinsville is home of apparently one hell of a hot dog, but I wish there was a prop bet that you could bet on how many times NBC and the announcers are going to mention these hot dogs. If the over-under was 15, I would take the over all day. I, I think they're going to mention it probably a million times. I'll probably have... Um, that loser that dresses uh, like he's in the, the Lumineers. I don't even know his name. He'll probably be out there uh, with the fans talking about the hot dogs. There'll be multiple spots that they do uh, with the hot dogs. So give me the over with how many times they talk about this goddamn hot dog. And, and if you hear the venom in my voice, it's mostly just jealousy. I just kind of really want to get out there and taste one of these bad boys. But um, I digress. So let's get into the, the top 10 stuff. Uh, I had a couple guys here that, you know, stand out to me in terms of the top 10. I'm, I'm really going to wait and see what their value is in, uh, the top 10 area for race on race day rather. But the, the first guy that stands out is Clint Boyer. I think he's going to be minus money on race day, but we'll see how he, he comes in, but he's, he's won here recently. He's finished well here recently. And, um, I just like what I'm seeing out of him. He just get knocked out of the playoffs. Listening to his interviews, you know, it wasn't devastating. I think they were more just happy to be in that last round and kind of almost expected to get knocked out. He just re-signed uh, recently for for more time at Stuart Haas. So things are looking good for Clint Boyer, and and I would expect him to kind of finish strong here this season. So uh, the fact that he's got some decent history there, I would probably bet if he's above you know the the break even point if he's if he's plus money on Sunday I'm without a doubt taking the 14 car to finish in the top 10 but um, even if he's a little bit minus money I would still look at him depending on what his value is he's somebody I'm looking at but a couple of other guys uh, somebody that I really like is Ryan Newman so he's currently going off at plus 600 to finish in the top 10 and I think that's really good his driver rating is actually 10th out of all active drivers with 84.4. So that's something to think about. Um, with all these guys here, that's including everybody uh, in the last 10. No, that's actually lifetime driver rating. So he's somebody who can he can wheel this thing at Martinsville. He's got one win, eight top fives, and 16 top tens in 35 races here at Martinsville lifetime. So... Pretty interesting, and he finished eighth here last year in the fall. So, why not? I mean, he, you know, put it down plus six hundred. The uh, six car getting in to the top ten doesn't seem unrealistic, and that's the kind of thing that you're looking for when you're talking about top tens. Is what's the value, and is it somebody that's completely unrealistic? And I think the value will be there, and it's a driver who has been there, so it's a good combo. Um, somebody who's really on the, the threshold there would be Daniel Suarez. So he would be going off around plus 300. So it's actually more of a, a long shot to bet on Newman right now than Suarez. But um, Suarez has had back-to-back top 10s at Martinsville, which I really like. So he's got the momentum there. He's someone that has you know been eliminated from the start of this playoff season um, but he's been holding it together, still fighting for a job next year. So I think that, you know, depending on what his value is, he's somebody who has shown in his young career recently, at least he can ride at Martinsville pretty well. So mark me down for him, uh, finishing in the top 10 also. We're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. So let's get to the section that. I was hot at last week, five for six, like we talked about at Kansas. Let's keep it going at Martinsville. I, I looked through the, the slate, and I like a lot of these picks. A lot of value out there to win you some money. But before we do, 
We actually have a lock of the week that came in earlier today. I got a, a message from, from Cousin Greg. Cousin Greg, lock of the week. Last time he checked in with a, a lock of the week, he hit it right on the head. It was Truex over Kyle Busch a few weeks back. So he's checking in again with this week, and he's liking... Kyle Larson over Eric Jones. Right now, they are both going off at minus 115, so even money. And I think I like that. So his reasoning had to do a lot more around like playoffs versus non-playoff driver. Uh, so Larson clearly has everything to fight for, and, and Eric Jones really has nothing to fight for, which makes a lot of sense to me. You got two guys going off at the same number. Um, that makes sense. Larson has the... Number on the year, 17 to 14. Larson has uh, won the head-to-head battle so far this year. So Cousin Greg chiming in, coming on board with a lock of the week, see if we can keep his streak alive. And I will definitely keep tabs on that as the season progresses, see how well he's uh, he's doing as this year finishes up. So that's his lock, Larson over Jones, and I like it. I, I would get behind that and throw that into a parlay. One that uh, I think I need to start with is I need to get some juice on the two guys who I'm avoiding betting on to win, the two favorites going off right now, Hamlin versus Kyle Busch. And when I clicked on the head-to-head section in my app, I expected these two to be going off at even money, and I thought it was going to be a pretty hard decision to make. But it the odds really made that choice for me. Hamlin is going off at plus 100. So compared to Kyle Busch's minus 135. So they have Hamlin as quite an underdog there. And, and I'm not quite sure why, because, I mean, they they both have stats that you could write home about. Now, Kyle Busch, he's the heavy favorite for a reason. We didn't get in his stats earlier uh, because we wanted to move on with the guys we were choosing to win the race. But now that we're talking about him, in the last 10 races, his average finish is 3.8. I mean, that's just silly. That's just ridiculous. Um, Hamlin in that span is average finish is 11th, which is like third. (laughs) So Bush is clearly dominant in the last 10. um, And they both have, they're both one, two, as far as uh, the best driver ratings out of everyone who's still in the playoffs. Um, So very, uh, very close. Hamlin, you know, he's from the Virginia area. You could call it a home track if you want. Uh, I think Richmond is actually the one they, they say is his home track. So I, you know, want to be able to take Kyle Bush, but the value is, is leaning me towards Hamlin in this one, plus 100 with a guy like that. He's too hard to pass up. Plus, he's hot right now. I mean, the, the win last week, he's got all the momentum in the world. Um, mark me down for Hamlin. In this one over Kyle Busch at plus 100. The next one I want to look at is someone we haven't talked about yet, and that's Jimmy Johnson. So he's going up against uh, Kyle Larson. Now, I know we just talked about Kyle in uh, Greg's lock of the week over Jones, but this is a different matchup, completely different matchup. Jimmy Johnson here, historically, is the guy. And I know it's not the Jimmy Johnson of old. I get it. But I really want to sort of have a a dissection of him right now because even though his season has been shit, he's actually been starting to claw his way back towards the end of the season. There are guys out there who are hiding. They are, you know, they they are out of it and they're just going invisible. Jimmy Johnson's not one of those if you actually look into his stats. Now, they're not showing him a lot on the screen. But that's just because, you know, they're all about the guys who are still in it. But Johnson, analytically, is performing pretty well. And I like what I'm seeing out of him. Now, him at Martinsville used to be a sure thing. I think he won here like three times in a row at one point. Um, he He's just so good here. His driver rating lifetime is, is 11, sorry, 111. It's best out of any active driver. So he has the tools that you need to get the car into victory lane. So this is a lot less about Kyle Larson and more about Jimmy Johnson. But if you want to bring Kyle into this argument, head-to-head, Jimmy is 4-0 in the last four races in the fall at Martinsville against Kyle Larson. That's pretty good. 
And the last four races this season, he's three and one versus Kyle. And the one race, obviously, uh, Kyle won the race. So he had a top 10 last week. I, I like Jimmy at plus 100 there. It's another value pick, but it's more uh, throwing a bone to someone who I know has it in him to be great here. And uh, we'll see if that comes out this week. The next one that I have, I flip-flopped on. I actually looked at it and wanted to go one way, but I had to flip-flop based on the stats, that what they were telling me. Uh, so this is Joey Logano taking on Martin Truex Jr. Logano is plus 100. And when I saw that, just like I've been talking about, I was drawn to the underdog. But as I started to get into it, I had to lean towards Truex. Now, Logano has five poles here in the last 10 races. That's really good. But, I mean, that's almost unheard of. But uh, head-to-head versus Truex in the last five races at this racetrack um, in the fall, Logano is two and three. And his overall season against Truex, Truex has the advantage 18 to 13. So all of that, being said, I just want to talk about Logano in general. So that last round was just dismal for the 22 car. Dover was a nightmare. They didn't even take the green flag to start finishing, you know, one of the last drivers on the track, even though they got back out there at the end. Still a terrible experience for the team in general. Then they go to Talladega where they were in multiple wrecks. The car was held together with duct tape at the end and they did cross the finish line, but it obviously wasn't what they would have liked. And then at Kansas, where they are, you know, they start in the race 18 points to the good, but they were still in danger. And obviously their teammate was struck by that danger, but it very well could have been them. And I expected more out of the 22 last week than what I saw. And the the disturbing thing to me was at the end of that race, where the two was fighting the nine for the last playoff spot. Logano, really, all he had to do was just stay out of trouble. And what happened? He got into trouble. He went flying across the infield in one of those late wrecks. It actually was the the Kozlowski, the two-car, that caused it. But he just couldn't stay clean. And it just seemed like it was like when it rains, it pours when when you're looking at the whole round in general. So I I don't like what I see. That's a team that does not have the momentum that I'm looking for. Um, So... All of that being said, I'm, I'm going to go with Truex this week. Obviously, like I said earlier, I like him to win the race. But over Logano in this matchup, give me the 19 car. Then I have one matchup here that a couple guys we don't usually talk about, but I, I needed to, to throw some money on it. So this is Michael McDowell versus Corey LaJoy. Um, two completely different drivers overall. I mean, McDowell, someone who's been doing it forever. He's kind of an older guy. Um, and he's just been always stuck in some of these rides that are never the, the premier vehicles. Corey LaJoy is more of an up and comer. Uh, he's the social media guy. He's all over social media. He's using it to his advantage, whether it's Instagram or um, Twitter. He's, he's always chirping NASCAR on social media, trying to be funny and get attention, get fans that way. Um, so two completely different guys here. They're both going off at minus 115. And Michael McDowell is 19 and 12 against LaJoy so far this season. At Martinsville against Corey LaJoy, they've only been on the track together twice. He's 2-0. and But McDowell's actually been doing very well lately. I'm actually working on something for maybe a postseason podcast where I'm looking into the guys who didn't make the playoffs and how they're faring uh, since the start of the postseason. And McDowell's actually someone that has caught my eye in that research. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it on McDowell here. Instead of Corey LaJoy, mark me down, minus 115, even money. I like it. I, I like what I'm seeing. His, his Twitter handle is McDriver. I love that. Give me McDriver here uh, in this matchup. Finally, the last one that I'm going to talk about, Alex Bowman versus my new arch nemesis, William Byron. I gave Byron out as a loser last week. He proved me right, just barely, but he proved me right. I'm going to you know, keep stepping on his throat and I'm 
taking anything that I can. This was the only uh, matchup available that had Byron's name in it that I could see at the moment. I'm sure there'll be more on race day that I might be tempted to take. But right now, it's Alex Bowman. Um, again, these stats are eerily similar to the ones we just read out. Bowman 19 and 12 versus Byron this year. He's 2 and 0 versus Byron at Martinsville. They're both going off at minus 115. Give me the 88. This has less to do with Bowman and more to do with my my newfound hatred for William Byron. Even though he's on my fantasy team uh, and I need a win this week uh, in in my own personal fantasy team. I know you guys don't give a shit about that. I do screw William Byron. I'll, 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 you know, take a crash from him, um, any day of the week. So mark it down. So just to recap, we have the cousin Greg lock of the week, Larson over Eric Jones, and then getting into my picks, I've got Hamlin plus 100 over Kyle Bush, Jimmy Johnson plus 100 over Kyle Larson. I've got Truex Jr. minus 135 over Logano, Michael McDowell minus 115 over Corey LaJoy and Alex Bowman Minus 115 over William Byron. That one just pure gut feel slash hatred. We're going to end it this week with another rant. And this is really just me trying to fight back against the sports books. Because like I've said since the beginning of this podcast, uh, I am trying to make gambling on NASCAR better. I'm trying to find ways to, you know, make it more fun. And it really has everything to do with the sports books because with every other sport out there, there's a million different ways to bet on the different games. Um, so many different prop bets that are available to the gambler, to the user of the site. And with NASCAR, it's almost like we're just lucky to be here. We're lucky that we even have something to, to bet on at this point in time. Um, it's a very strange situation right now with gambling really exploding. The fact that they're not exploring more that can take place in the, the NASCAR gambling area. So I wanted to, to really look into this a little bit more because there are certain things that are not allowed in uh, the sports books that, that I'm using right now. And I've got a couple that I use. Uh, I'm not going to say them by name, but there were two things that I was looking to get to the bottom of. Uh, and and had to do both of them had to do essentially with parlays. And I am trying to just understand the thought process on the sports books angle on why they wouldn't allow certain bets. Because if you were to kind of take this and try to apply it to another sport like football or, or baseball, uh, I think they would accept them. But with NASCAR, it, it's almost like they don't know any better. So they're just scared and, and the, the site just blocks it. So with the first sports book, I was trying to fight the fight or not even fight the fight, just understand why I can't place a parlay with the same driver in multiple head-to-head matchups. So, for example, if Kyle Busch this week was a heavy favorite, I wanted to take, let's just say, Kyle Busch. Uh, I wanted to take Denny Hamlin over him. I wanted to take Chase Elliott over Kyle Busch and Brad Keselowski over Kyle Busch. Basically, the mentality here is that I'm going all in on something happening to Kyle Busch and having these other three guys place ahead of them and they don't accept that which you know when I first saw it I was like well you know clearly I'm trying to take advantage of the system but then when I thought about it it's really something that should be available to the the gambler because these events in my mind are mutually exclusive events how Denny Hamlin finishes versus Brad sorry versus Kyle Busch has nothing to do with Brad Keselowski finishing above or below Kyle Busch. That was my you know, initial argument here. And I started, you know, the, the one book has a, a good customer service department. So I started following up and, and I was trying to say, hey, this doesn't work. I, I wanted to play dumb, like, hey, you know, this, this isn't working for me. And I was getting a response, you know, typical, um, 
yeah, it's not available. Sorry about that. You know, and, and trying to move on and close the, the chat. But I tried to push forward and, and eventually I said, hey, I, I, I need to understand this. Why is this not accepted? And after a lot of back and forth, I finally got at least an answer back. And I was arguing now, this is the second person I was talking to. And you're going to have to bear with me here because it does get a little confusing with the way that they worded it. But they said, referring to the head-to-head matchups, they are not really exclusive if you consider overall odds. If you bet driver A to beat driver B and then driver A to beat driver C and B has better odds than C, it's increasingly likely that if he beats B, he will also beat C. So essentially saying that if you're looking at the odds and you have somebody like Kyle Busch, um, if you're, if let's say you're doing the reverse of the uh, use case that I just gave out where I'm taking Kyle Busch to beat everyone, this guy is saying that if you take Kyle you know, minus 135 to beat Chase and you take him one minus 135 to beat Brad, then, you know, it's more likely that he is going to to beat drivers B and C because of the odds. And I think that's a a complicated cop out. Um, I think and my response back to him was I would think that the odds on the parlay would account for that. And, you know, we'd be able to move forward with the parlay. Um, That does not make sense. And, you know, I I kept pushing back and he ended up saying, well, you know, our partner is where we get the odds from and and they don't allow us to to make that a parlay at this time. And that's when I, you know, kind of realized this was a dead end. You know, this guy tried his best uh, and, and maybe someone out there understands that I don't. And I think that in the future, this is definitely something that they should be looking at. My hope is that they're looking at it in the NASCAR postseason. The next item that I I wanted to push for was a different sports book and a different type of parlay. And it was one that I actually brought up on the podcast last week, which was they have prop bets out there for different manufacturers. So the different makes of the cars who will be the best driver per model? So who's the best Ford driver, Toyota driver, Chevy driver? And my point last week was, if you have a book, and I had one of them that accepted it, but I was trying to get to the bottom of this with the, the sports book that did not allow it. If you have a bunch of favorites and you want to throw some money on them, you know, I think I said, choose Harvick as the best Ford, Chase as the best Chevy, and Kyle Busch as the best Toyota, throw those all in a parlay and you get some really good odds. I think we talked about last week, it was like 17 to one odds, which is really good. So I was trying to understand why this wasn't allowed, because if you want to talk about mutually exclusive, these actually are 100% mutually exclusive because the Chevy drivers are all battling amongst themselves. It has nothing to do with who's going to come out on the uh, Toyota or Ford camp side. So I brought this up to the other sports book that I utilize right now. And this was less of a chat. It was more of a back and forth email. And it took them a while to really understand what I was getting at. And, and to their credit, they really wanted to understand the bet that I was trying to make. And they eventually got screenshots from me. And I was trying to explain my point again about mutually exclusive bets, um, should be able to, to put them into a parlay. And eventually what came back was we don't allow parlays in the same event. That's what was said to me. And again, this is, in my opinion, a situation where they don't know anything about being able to bet on NASCAR. So they came up with kind of a, a silly response from their customer service, because do you know how many times I put parlays on uh, a college football game when it's like the the home team and the under uh, that's the same event I could take the home team and the over and I could take um, you know over under field goals made in the game I could parlay all of that shit into one larger parlay and it's all part of the same event 
So for them to say that they don't accept that is just downright lie because I've done it on their site. Um, this is another thing that just proves there's so much room for improvement here. And if they just gave it an ounce of effort, I honestly think that there'd be a lot more people putting money in on these races because the, what gets a lot of you know fringe gamblers into betting on football and, and basketball and, and baseball is the prop bets. It, it's fun. And if you're someone who, you know, starts the start an account at one of these places just for fun, you're going to see all this fun stuff. With NASCAR, it's very straightforward. There's no fun to be had unless you're, you know, really into it. So I think it, it, it's an opportunity for them. I don't know why they're not spending more time. I'm, I'm trying to get to the bottom of it. And and with this other, the second uh, sports book that I was working with, they also mentioned that their part, they said their partner doesn't accept it. So it's not them. It's the, the casino that they're hooked up with. So I'm hoping in the future here, I'm going to be able to try to get a hold of someone who actually sets lines. Um, so if you happen to know of anyone, please let me know. Uh, email me full tank with Phil at gmail.com. I will gladly take any leads I can get on trying to track down somebody who has a little bit more information about why the lines are set the way they are and why the books work the way they do. But I'm out there. I'm on the front lines. I'm fighting the good fight. And um, hopefully it's for the better down the road. So that'll do it for another episode of Full Tank with Phil. We're going to go out, watch that Martinsville race on Sunday. Trying to bounce back, back into the winner circle, betting the right guy to win the race. I'm trying to stay hot with the head-to-head matchups. I'm feeling really good about this one. So good luck this weekend, and we will see you next week with the preview of Texas. See you then. Go. Hell no place to go.